New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them. We study them. We hope the big one never comes. Don't look up. It's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Show, the place where WEEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him. Some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. Bradford Show. Here's Rob Bradford. Welcome to another edition of the Bradford Show, sponsored as always by Gould's Distinctive Clothing, people who make me look so darn good. And Hub New England Insurance, they have plenty of integrity to go around. Today's guest is a very special guest, Scott Boris, agent for so many, so many players in Major League Baseball, controversial agent, guy who will give his opinion on anything, guy who is at the center of many, many baseball storms, and also a guy who is very, very interesting just to talk baseball with, and that's exactly what we did. We talked to Scott Boris about pitching, about what he's seen in the game so far this year, and also just some of the Red Sox players he represents, Stephen Drew, Xander Bogarts, he also represents Jackie Bradley. Scott Boris gives his take on a lot of things. Very, very interesting. So here is Scott Boris. Well, Scott, I always like talking baseball with you when you're around, and, and I'm curious. You look at the season, how it's unfolded. Is there anything that jumps out to you, how things have changed over the course of this season compared to last season? Any trends, any way that the teams are approaching things any different? Well, I think when you look at the early part of the season, the teams that are doing well are the teams that are obtaining outs rather than scoring runs. And those teams that have had the ability through their pitching and their defense to obtain outs are uh, really kind of uh, at the head of their pack. Uh, Milwaukee, um, certainly Oakland, um, when you, uh, the Giants, uh, the game has transitioned itself around 
You know, I think the Giants were, were doing unbelievable well, and they lost their center fielder for a while. They lost outs. And, uh, and I think the teams that can solidify themselves with their rotation and their late bullpen uh, to get those, you know, uh, I'm a believer, and it's probably against the grain of a lot, but those, but, you know, outs, you know, 26, 27, 25, those outs are pretty doggone important and hard to get. And, and I think that they have value that goes well beyond what a lot of baseball minds have, have put into today. You know, I, I remember we talked about this at the, I think it was the winter meetings about, and it's a stat that I always cite when talking about closers. I think you said there hasn't really been a world championship team that hasn't put together 45 saves, something along those lines. Yeah, you, to really get up into that level where you're talking about not only the amount, but the percentage of blown saves where you can keep it down, you know, below, you know, uh, seven or eight by the by the back end people themselves and really three or four, then you know you've got an extraordinary season out of a closer. And the great ones are the ones that do it consistently. The ones that are always under examination are the ones that have the good year and then they have the off year. Um, a lot of that has to do too with, you know, the frequency of pitching. Right now, you know, you, you got to keep your closer around 60 appearances, and that's hard to do in today's game, particularly with the, when you lose a, lose depth in your rotation and you're pushing your bullpen up. You always want to go get those extra outs in the eighth inning, the ninth inning. And, and I always go back to, you know, Tony La Russa in Oakland never used Eck more than one inning. And I think in 88, 89, 90, they were always in that position to win for a long term because their closers were, that closer was always in that spot to win. And and certainly I think there's a lot of metrics that you can look over a short period of time to say that that may not be exactly accurate, but what I think goes on in Major League Baseball now is that with the lack of power in the game, the true lack of, of a production of having 35, a number of 35 home run hitters, the outs are all the more important because the runs are less and such. So. So I think that teams that have been successful have been following that. That, uh, But remember, we have a whole half of a season to go here, so a club can improve itself defensively, can gain depth in its rotation, I think can easily gain seven or eight games in, in a to get into one of those five spots in their respective leagues. To go a little Red Sox-centric, along the what you're talking about, about the priority of defense, and I said at the time, when, when Stephen Drew signed, you basically made yourself a better team on that entire left side of the, the, the field, even though Xander hadn't played their whole bunch. When you're talking with them and you're look, viewing the Red Sox construct of the team, do you say that? Do you say, hey, listen, this is a defensive game now, and this guy is one of the best in the game? Well, I think certainly that, that the depth of a team, you know, when you, um, when you can – include an Xander Bogarts with at the age of 21 and have him bat the top half of the lineup. When you have that type of player and he's deserving of that place, if you can include him into a lineup, then you're you're that much better. If you can also add Stephen Drew into a lineup where you have the consistency of play at the most volatile defensive position. And it's when you look at Stephen's metrics and you and you certainly determine that you know where he is defensively by league rank that's one thing because that includes range and such and he's certainly up in the topper tier but if there were a rating for consistency of the routine play 
of managing the balls that are supposed to be caught and are caught and the accuracy of throwing, his delivery, his feet, his level of understanding of the league and where to play hitters. Um, we don't have quite all the metrics to include that into a, um, an analytical tool. All I know is that ask your first baseman because the analytics, and I, I don't know what the first man, what Napoli would say, but I bet you he can document what I'm saying about who this player is and what, what makes him extraordinary. And plus the fact that Stephen Drews, you know, the, since June of last year after he had that bit of concussion and he got his at-bats and got comfortable, I mean, the guy hit 285 and hit for power, and you know, and his OPS was still fourth among shortstops. When you're getting that defensively and that offensively and you add that to a team, it's only a matter of time before more outs come, more consistency comes, and you increase the depth of the team, you increase the options of the manager, and all of a sudden that makes everybody in the lineup that much better. I haven't got a chance to talk to you, and I know when Steven signed, when Kendry signed, that you, you, you talked at length about the qualifying offer, but this was a unique thing. We talk about the uniqueness of the season, the uniqueness of, of the first half or the first few months with those players and then those players jumping in for anybody was unique. How did you approach that? Not not necessarily in negotiations, but just making sure that they find the right spot, they're in good shape, and, and the, across the board. Well, the game is, you know, it's, it's the Bible of play. And that you always have an understanding from what the game tells you, particularly after you've seen a unit of players work together. And the uniqueness about this is that this is the first time ever in baseball we had major league players that are in that that 10% best category of players because they were offered qualifying offers by definition because there aren't many ball players that are getting offered those kinds of contracts and so the second part of it is that you get to evaluate your team after a period of time using all your scouting dynamics using all the the dugout um, evaluation as well, the league evaluation, and you get to say how to what level can these, you know, normally you don't have the opportunity to add frosting to the cake. You usually have to take it to the bakery as is, but this is one where before you determine what the final product was, you got to put a very important component to it. Now, I don't think this is particularly good or fair for players or for teams to have this kind of dynamic operate. But the reality of the system is that we've learned that the dollar spent in the draft must be something that we've got to reapproach because teams should have the ability to use the success of their franchises, the success of our system, to where we can create a structure where the economic model of the game, for example, if a team, if the New York Yankees, they all get a first round pick, but if the New York Yankees want a second round pick and they sign four free agents, they're going to have to give $10 million to the industry pool, to all those disadvantaged economic markets, so they can get a second round pick. And then they're going to say, okay, I, I will spend that because that draft pick means that much to me. As opposed to, they have an option to spend, as opposed to a mandatory limit from them getting better or making decisions. Because when you have limits rather than options to advance, you don't get a chance to weigh something. 
you in this situation you have an artificial dynamic that is I think hurtful to the game and hurtful to players. When you when you when the qualifying offer thing uh, dynamic came into play with the new CBA, everyone was trying to gauge what it was going to be like. Obviously, you're deeper into it than anybody. Did anything about how that has unfolded taken you off guard or surprise you at all? Well, a lot of people thought that this reaction to it was unanticipated. I've been working with scouting directors and scouts and and general managers for 35 years. You cannot hire 20 to 25 people in your scouting department. You yourself as a general manager are hired for scouting and development primarily. You don't have a general manager that comes in and says, I am here to basically sign free agents. No, my primary function is scouting development and grow this organization. And so when you come in and hire all these people, and then you hire another 30 or 40 people in the development department, then all of a sudden you say, I can't sign players. I can't sign players because I had to sign a free agent. You're going to be a very, very unpopular guy. So you know that the value of the currency of the draft, if you only get $8 million and to sign a proper free agent, which will help the big league team, limits you to four. What you've done is you've probably prevented with that $4 million from them signing 25 players. You prevented the general manager from demonstrating his skill in getting all these draft picks. Uh, signed and scouted and you're taking an entire crew of people who you've hired and you've sent a message to the owner they're really not that important that's why I spent half the money that they could have otherwise utilized any general manager who does that is actually shooting himself in the foot because his value and his premise for his hire is now denigrated all because he signs that pick and so to do that I don't think it's going to happen very often and I think it's artificial, and I also think if you understand how the game works, you would never ever take that right away from any major league team because it's not good for the fans and it's not good for owners or players. Just wrapping things up, another topic that I found obviously has come to the forefront this year is starting pitching, and or not, pitching across the board. And there's been a lot of Tommy John injuries, and, and we talked to John Farrell, we've talked to the, a lot of the Red Sox, Juan Nieves, about things that you could do. To, to maybe limit the number of injuries. Now you're always thinking outside the box and you're always thinking of, of ways to improve the game. Is there anything that has jumped to you that say, if we did this, this might cut down on that? Yes. Um, essentially, I, I did a study from like 2004 on of when your arrival date was in the big leagues as a pitcher. And I found out that there's about 500 pitchers who arrive in the big leagues at 25 or older. And of that group, only 3% of them have Tommy John surgery. Why? And the answer is because those are pitchers who arrive up here because they usually don't throw 94-95. They throw 90-91 and they're here because of pitchability, experience, knowledge. They've worked themselves through the minor and they've, uh, they've made themselves valued in the big leagues because of their pitchability rather than their raw ability. On the converse, when you look at 19, 20, and 21 in that era, all those people, all those pitchers who arrived in the big leagues are all big arm, 94 and above type arms. They all wave there, and the Tommy John ratio is near 17%. That is a ratio that is almost 600% higher. So the reason that the pitchers who are coming at 25, their bodies are bigger, they're more adjusted and more experienced in the system to have durability factors that younger players don't have. But the other factor is that the wear and tear in their arms is a lot less because they don't throw 94 and above. So what we must do, I think, to limit this is that players who have 
big velocity and have value to the big leagues, their innings level must be titrated so below what it is currently so that their bodies can adjust and that we understand that we can use those players in the big leagues, but we can only use them at a very limited scale. And the minute you say to a manager, I have my third starter, my young third starter can only throw 120 or 30 innings as opposed to 170. What am I going to do with the other 50 or 60 innings? I have an answer, and the answer is the 26, 27-man roster. Because it's going to cost teams a lot less money to have more pitchers in the big leagues to allow for an acclimation process at a young age with lower innings than it is for them to miss a year or two or maybe lose that prospect forever by not letting him acclimate himself slowly into the major leagues. And I'm sure there's going to be a number of people suggesting that I'm, through medical science, addressing a collective bargaining reappraisal. And the answer is, I'm really not. I'm only letting you know what the numbers are. And for teams to protect their most valued assets, their young, great arms, I challenge you to say that spending for another minimum salary or two at a major league roster is far less than losing that value. I'm not surprised, but that is the best answer that I've gotten so far. So thank you. That it's, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, thank you, Rob. All right, thanks for joining us, Scott. All righty. New on CuriosityStream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And... You captured a Confederate steamboat? We're taking a ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 